Welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. Join me and PACT certified therapist Julie Rappaport where we discuss relationships, learn how to bring the magic back to yours, and become a better partner. To join the discussion live, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Clydesdale Media. Sign up for notifications so you can call in with your questions or just join the chat. Be sure to like and share these episodes with your partner and friends. The following presentation is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Kat. She is Julie Rappaport, um, PAC certified couples counselor, and we are doing our weekly series here. And I think this is episode 773. Um, and we're talking about sex. Finally. Um, right? Yeah. So you, when in picking the title, you wanted to call it the junk drawer. So explain that, please. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's sex is something where there's, you know, there's so much that people don't talk about that things just kind of, um, you know, it's like anything else, like money or mess or like things get played out around sex. And so it's like things that aren't being said, talked about issues, you know, a lot of avoidance happens. And so it just gets put into the junk drawer. And uh, so that's why. Okay. Um, we should probably start by just defining what we're talking about. So is sex is sex just intercourse? Or are we talking about intimacy? And it feels like it could be this giant um, topic. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, when I'm sitting in front of clients and talking about sex, I'm definitely asking them what sex is to them because each each person as well as each pair has uh, a different definition. Um, some people think it's just intercourse. Some people think, think it's anything that leads to orgasm. Some people think it's deep kissing. Some people think it's, um, you know, anal sex. So, you know, it's just like, um, you know, and, and I think defining the difference for people also of lovemaking versus sex. Um, I think that's two different things. As well. Yeah, that's a good question. So let's start there. So lovemaking versus sex. Are they two different things? And should they be defined as two different things within a relationship? Um, I mean, I think, I, you know, it, it's a hard thing to, to really define uh, in the sense of it can be they can be synonymous. Um, they, and, and each person's experience is different. Um, but lovemaking tends to be less about the act itself, the physical act itself, and more about, <clears throat> um, being connected, uh, being present with one another, uh, being in real time, being able to communicate, um, being able to adjust, uh, give feedback, receive feedback <clears throat> and, um, and be giving 
and receiving pleasure, um, whether, whether it's with genitalia or not, you know, and just like having pleasure be the expression, of, you know, giving or receiving pleasure as the expression of the love that the two people feel for one another um, versus maybe sex. A lot of times I, <clears throat> I hear that sex is, you know, pretty much uh, intercourse. And, Physical, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and exactly. with orgasm, mm -hmm. which is fine. It's, you know, that's, that's great. It's it really releases tension and um, allows for maybe more closeness and, um, but it's, it's a different ball game. A lot of times I'll do exercises with couples in session, uh, PG only, um, mm -hmm. but that where um, I'm having them touch and give feedback in a way in present time and in, in the present moment where they're staying really connected and, um, and giving, you know, giving and receiving and they, you know, I, I then let them know, Hey, that was, uh, you were making love. And it was, you know, of course it was PG. There was, you know, you're not going to do that in my office, but, um, but that's a form of making love. And it feels really good to two people, regardless of the genitalia being exposed or not. Mm -hmm. How important is sex in a relationship to create bonds and connections? You know, it's, uh, I mean, there, there are all sorts of, um, like chemicals that get released. So like oxytocin is one and, uh, you know, the love chemical, um, the love hormone, but so that can help create a closeness, uh, you know, and, um, but it also depends, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, sexless marriage, you know, um, it really depends you know, there are plenty of couples that have sexless marriages and as long as they are okay with it, then no harm, no foul. You know, it, it's not for anyone else to judge. Um, it's their relationship. It's when one or both parties are not okay with it, then that, then it's a problem. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess sexless marriage with plenty of connection and intimacy is still could, could still be successful, you know, yes. in, in, in terms of what we would deem successful. But I think more often than not, you hear of sexless marriages where, you know, one or one or both are not happy for whatever reason. And sometimes that's the no sex is a symptom of those problems, or sometimes, you know, the no sex is causing those problems. And yeah, that, yeah. Brings, that brings up an interesting point. I think we talked about this last week as we were sort of prepping for this week, um, where we talk about the difference between men and women, um, you know, generally speaking, right, between men and women where where women, and I'm going to probably get it wrong, but it's one of them uses sex to get a connection and the other one makes a connection by having sex. Or Yeah. And I mean, let's, you know, we're kind of talking heteronormative here. So sure. like this happens really in, in any, you know, same sex couples, um, as well, and all iterations of of couples, 
um, where there could be one person that, it, you know, and, and in a heterosexual couple, it is more often in our society that women are using, um, are, are needing connection um, yeah. in order to then feel like they want to have sex. Okay. And men typically are needing sex in order to feel connected. And um, so typically in, in, you know, in literature, it's been kind of, and in, in the psychological field, I think it typically has been um, thought that, oh, let's connect the couple first, uh, like intimacy wise, uh, have some closeness and connection, and that will then lead to sex. Um, however, research, recent research has shown that it's actually quite the opposite, that that's not necessarily true, um, that having sex can then, um, you know, it like oftentimes, even if you're feeling close, the sex doesn't happen. And so if the sex happens, then it could create the closeness, which then, you know, then it becomes this um, kind of figure eight where it's, you know, one kind of feeds into the other. But uh, research has recently shown that actually it's, it's, you just got to do the deed and um, the connection comes. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. So, Go ahead. You want to say? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that that kind of then leads into um, avoidance, because couples, you know, when it comes to sex, like there's a lot of avoidance that can happen, um, because there's shame and guilt and all sorts of messages that we've gotten from our childhood <clears throat> about sex. Mm -hmm. um, that's wrapped up in it. And so then if, if it's uncomfortable, if it's awkward, if, you know, we also, um, there's this, uh, other part of it near senses of, um, sometimes we don't like our partner's breath or we don't like their, how they, their BO, we don't like how they smell in general or taste, um, and people don't talk about that uh, because it's awkward or uncomfortable. And then, it, you know, this is the junk drawer that it just gets thrown into there and then avoidance happens. And when you avoid, it's, you know, it, avoidance is the, the uh, purpose of that is to try to lessen anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it kind of does in the moment, but then it makes something that was once small very, very big. And it just keeps growing. The more and more you avoid, the bigger it gets. And so um, I just it would encourage couples to stay, you know, kind of find a time where they can connect uh, in private and, you know, be able to just have really kind, honest conversations about maybe what they like or what they don't like. Um, what they would prefer, you know, Hey, I, I love being with you. And do you mind using mouthwash before you come to bed or, um, taking a shower, uh, you know, 
whatever it is, um, because it might be uncomfortable in the moment, but it really, you know, there's, there's some good things that can <clears throat> come out of just that communication. And, you know, maybe your partner has a similar uh, issue with you. Right. So it just opens the door to um, a richer experience. And um, also, you know, your partner is um, in close contact with you. They can identify possible infections or um, things that you might need to go see a doctor for. Um, so, you know, it, it could be a very helpful thing to just be talking about. I like that. Um, okay. So I've collected some questions over the course of the week. Oh, great. And if you guys in the chat have questions, please um, chime in. Um, but we'll just sort of go through some of these and hopefully it'll spur some conversation and some comments. Okay. Great. So my first one is your partner is really into X, you name it, something maybe on the kinky side or, you know, something that's maybe not in the norm. You, on the other hand, are vehemently opposed to it. This is in a sexual way. Is there a way to compromise? The woman doesn't want to disappoint her man, but isn't very comfortable doing what he really wants her to do. And this is just a specific example that I received. Um, so the one thing that happens is that, you know, if we're just taking the man, so the man wants something that she's vehemently opposed to. Um, you know, it's... One thing that if he wants her to do, um, to kind of experiment or whatever, but the thing that often happens is like in this instance, the guy would be, it is, does he, does he really want her to just do the thing or does he want her to want to do the thing? Mm. Um, right. Mm, so, okay. so then it, it, it kind of goes into emotion around it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, okay, let's just say it's anal sex. Um, huh. And, you know, and she's like, all right. Then he's upset because he wants her to actually be right. like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. You know, mm -hmm. we're stoked about that, you know? And so um, that's one thing to consider. And the other part is that if, if we do things that we're um, really vehemently opposed to, um, then it can create more like disgust for our partner. Mm. Um, we kind of then can, you know, we might need to dissociate in order to do those things. Um, it can create more problems. And so you have to figure out a way of like, what could we do that, you know, he like that's participating particular scratch might not be itched, but what could we do that both of us would get pleasure out of and we're both okay with? Okay. Yeah. I like that. You, you mentioned disassociated. Can we dig into that a little bit? Cause that's intriguing to me. <laughs> Doing something um, where you have to disassociate. What is, what, what do you mean by that? I think I know, but yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're not in your body. Um, you are elsewhere in order to just uh, kind of get through it. A lot of times, you know, rape victims. Um, I was going to say that sounds very um, traumatic. <laughs> it is. It's a it's a trauma response. And so but sometimes, you know, if you 
if one puts themselves in a position of doing something that they don't really want to do just for the sake of, you know, either not disappointing or not, you know, fear of abandonment, um, there, there will be huge repercussions in the end, right? Like that, like if that continues to happen over and over and over again, eventually the person will, um, either, you know, I mean, there's no connection, right? Because the person isn't there. Um, but also will begin to, um, say, I don't, you know, a lot of times what happens is, you know, the person will say, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want, like, it feels icky to me. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want to actually want to have sex. I want to actually be present when I have sex. And so then they're just, they're not able to do those things without dissociating. So it takes a lot of work. Um, so it would just be good to, uh, so if you notice your partner is dissociating, you need to kind of stop the press and, um, and, you know, again, this is present moment awareness. This isn't just getting the act done. If it is, then, you know, you're basically auto-regulating, meaning right. you're just using your partner to masturbate. Um, and that happens a lot, but, um, but, you know, if you can be in present time and if you're connected and, and really in the moment, you will notice when somebody isn't present with you and you just stop and, you know, hey, um, can you come back to me? Or where'd you go? Or I can't feel you. Or, you know, that you you deal with that first before you just continue on. Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe it it doesn't lead to orgasm. Maybe it it just stops because something more intimate comes up, something more vulnerable, something that needs to be talked about and shared and processed. And again, that that could be just the making love that happens rather than the sex and the orgasm. Right. Okay. Um, the other thing about this one is, um, and it was based on some conversations back and forth about this question. Um, there seems to be a difference too, between when I said, you you know, your partner's really into this and you're, you're not, um, there's a difference I would think between like a need and a nice to have. Yes. Right. And so, being clear perhaps about that, like, is this something that you need, <laughs> right? Or is it just a nice to have? And, and, you know, it sounds like a nice to have would be a little bit easier to compromise on, you know, than, than where someone says, you know, I absolutely need this to be able to, you know, be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Well, then, you know, I mean, if that's the case and somebody is, like you said, vehemently opposed to it, it. yeah, um, you know, then, then you're in deal breaker territory. Sure. <clears throat> and you have to then as, yeah. you know, as, as a therapist, that's where you go. Yeah. And how important is it to sort of have these, these conversations, these needs and, and nice to have, you know, before you start having sex with someone or before, you know, you, you get into a committed relationship. Cause a lot of times people are having sex really quickly, you know, before they even get to know each other well enough to even know what somebody likes or doesn't like. And yeah. so how do you kind of reverse that? And, and, and back up and say, wait a minute. It's, it's a hard thing because, <clears throat> um, you know, that it goes into the beginning of a relationship, the beginning of the relationship, there's all sorts of 
drugs from, <clears throat> from our hormones that are circulating, that mm -hmm. is, you know, um, just driving us. And that's why the sex is usually so good and, and desired. And, um, and there's no, uh, you know, there's things that happen in that time. We're kind of not in our right mind. You know, I mean, you think about when you're first dating somebody, oftentimes it's like, oh my God, I, you know, haven't slept for days and we just stayed up all night and, you know, and then you go to work and, you know, and you're just, you're totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, that's not real life. That's not, you know, it's just, that's the drugs that we're on. And so we're not in our right mind really. And then we, eventually we automate to the other person. And what does that mean? Uh, we, we fill in the, the brain takes a lot of shortcuts. We like to make things as simple as possible because if we don't, uh, we're using up a lot of resources. And so the brain takes shortcuts and fills in. And so it, once we kind of think we know somebody, um, we just fill in with our brain of like, what's going to happen, what they're going to do, what they're not going to do, what they like, what they, you know, all of that. And it's takes us out of present moment and, it, um, it makes all sorts of errors. Um, and, you know, we, we begin to get more uh, real, I guess, you know, there's times when we have all those chemicals and, you know, drugs in our system at the beginning, we might be more experimental, we might be more um, open to more taboo things. We more, you know, like it might just be because those drugs are at play and we're just like, yeah, this is great. And then as we settle in and, and automate um, and the attachment system is more at play, um, we might be like, oh my God, no, I don't ever want to do that or this or, you know, and so then what happens is people start to, um, to compare, they go back of like, oh, hey, you know, we used to do this and this and this, you used to like this and now you don't. And um, and so it's a hard thing <laughs> when you are starting off because it's kind of two different ball games of an, uh, the beginning of a relationship versus when you've been in one for a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with lots of things, you know, this happens where people kind of shift and change um, and are different from at the beginning, but um, especially with sex. And so I guess my best advice would be um, as hard as it might be to not jump into bed with people right away because of those hormones like are kind of it's exciting and it's tantalizing and it's fun um, would be to, Hey, let's, let's talk about things before we uh, become physical because maybe you're not compatible in that way. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, <laughs> this sounds cynical, but it's true. Like people lie, people, people sure. lie. Um, and, and they're not necessarily just overtly lying. They're kind of, you know, it's kind of like they're, they're, they're trying to believe they're something that in reality they're not right. So, Oh yeah, I'd be open to that. And then when, when, you know, the reality hits, they're like, 
Yeah. And they're, and they're doing that just because like they really like the other person and they want to be accepted. And um, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. And maybe in their own mind, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm open-minded. Like, yeah, I could do that. But then when it really comes down to it, they're like, mm, that doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah, maybe not. Okay. Good. I like that. So Judy has a question. Do you find couples who have communication problems regarding sex also have trouble communicating in other aspects of their life, money, parenting, et cetera? Um, yes and no, it's not necessarily, um, direct correlation, but what I would say is, um, that whatever communication problems they're having, it will get played out in the different areas. So like, um, if there's shame involved with talking about sex, then there's going to be shame involved in talking about money or talking about you know, parenting or, you know, there's just, it's like this, there's, or if they have trouble collaborating with sex, there'll be, there'll be the same theme in these other areas. So it's kind of like <clears throat> sex, money, time, mess, and kids. Those are kind of the five big topics. Yeah. Um, you could, you kind of are like, as a therapist, you kind of use like any of those come into your office and you can use, you know, you use that as the jumping off point for the actual issue, right? Like it's not a necessarily, I mean, it can be about time, time spent or time sure. apart, but, um, it really is, there's a, an underlying issue that has to be addressed that then would resolve the time issue as well as other like other issues rather than playing whack-a-mole mm -hmm. uh, just resolving it in one area and then yeah. you know it would come up in another i also i do feel like too if somebody has um a specific you know issue or post or past trauma that's related to sex you know their communication may be off with regard to sex, but it could be on point with other things, potentially, sure. right? You know, sex could just be one of those. And the same could be the case with money or other things. If you had some traumatic experience with, you know, money, that maybe money is just not the place where you're going to be able to communicate well. And then, you know, sex is not a problem or, or vice versa. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, trauma is a whole different yeah. ball game, right? It's, um, we're not necessarily diving into that piece because that, um, <laughs> that's like, That'll throw a wrench into everything. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. Um, let's move on because I have a bunch. Uh, what are some ways couples can initiate physical intimacy without it ending up in orgasm? Or how can you convey that that's what you want with your partner without thinking you're not interested in sex? Sorry, um, I mean, it's first of all, it's a lot easier if you have a therapist guiding that because then you have this kind of third, that's, you know, you're kind of, you're paying them. And the, the therapist is like, okay, uh, there's a no sex rule. And it, this week it's about creating pleasure through, um, not using any genitalia, like being fully clothed and you can do a back rub and you, you do that to her this week. And then next week you do that to, if it's a heterosexual couple, you do that to him this next week. And then the next, you know, you, you can progress, but, um, I think being able to just communicate beforehand of like, Hey, you know what, like, I want to experiment Would this be something you're interested in of like, let's just make out. And 
I really want the opportunity for us to make out without it going any further than that. Mm-hmm. And just so we can fully be in the moment. And, you know, we used to just make out all the time and now we don't. And I just want to do that without having the pressure of it leading to something else that we just stay with that. I think communicating that or, hey, let's, um, I have an idea. How about we have, you know, I want to, I want a time where it's just about creating pleasure for one another without, but we can't orgasm or, you know, like, like set it up as a game and, you know, and, and your partner might be like, well, why would we do that? That sounds silly. Um, but, you know, it can be used as, um, you know, one of just like it being in the experience it too, it could be a really great form of foreplay of, Hey, you know, we're going to be super excited and we're going to hold off and maybe we'll do that again. And then we'll hold off. And, you know, then eventually when you decide like, okay, orgasm is on the table now. Um, it's that much, it's kind of like, you know, the beginning of, of a relationship where it's exciting and, and, you know, it's like, you're, you're really excited for that. Um, it kind of takes the roteness out of it. Yeah. I like that. Um, you guys in the chat too, I'll get to some of your questions as well. Don't, don't worry. Hang on. Um, some of them, I'm not sure if they're actual questions or just rhetorical questions. Um, so we'll see here. There's one. How about having sex with someone's husband, knowing they are married, but not caring that they're married. I mean, that sounds like a whole nother show as well. Yeah. That's it. Like affairs. Betrayal. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, let's say someone has an arranged marriage with a partner, but they don't have any sexual chemistry or with them. How would they go about improving or creating sexual chemistry? Because arranged marriages are still a thing. Oh yeah. And right? they can, they can work very, very well. So I've heard. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think having a conversation about, well, what, what defines that for each person and is it missing for both people? Um, and you know, it, I think, you know, again, communicating is going to be your, your first line of defense in terms of where to go. Um, it could be that you guys could cultivate something together, um, once you know what one another wants, maybe somebody's like, gosh, I get really, I, I really get attracted to you. I've had those times when I have like what I call an intellectual orgasm, when we have, you know, really great conversations. And so can we have more of that? Or, hey, I really, um, when you wear a certain thing or when you shave or when, you know, whatever um, that helps me have more attraction to you. Um, so working together, if you're, if you're both wanting that and Hey, what can we do? Or it might just be like, Hey, we're really, you know, we do the business part of our relationship and the friendship part of our relationship really well. Um, but there isn't this attraction piece and, then what do the two of you want to do about it? Do you want to stay together? Do you want to just forego that piece of your relationship? Do you want to open your 
marriage? Do you want to, you know, there's, um, you have to look at the different possibilities that could, if you want to stay together or whether you want to go your separate ways. Yeah. And I was thinking too, what we mentioned before about connect sex building connection versus connection building sex, you know, maybe it's a function of just having it and seeing if it builds the connection. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yes, it, you know, it depends. Has it ever been there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of, you know, sometimes <clears throat> questions are hard to answer in their fullest form because we don't really know all the background. And so it's like, I'm just taking one snippet and trying to answer that, but it's like, oh, well, was, were they ever attracted to one another? Did they ever, um, enjoy sex with one another? Uh, you know, did something happen that like stopped that attraction? Um, is there trauma? There's, you know, a whole bunch of things. Cool. Okay. Um, any unconventional methods for improving intimacy with a partner who may be feeling not so intimate as they're going through a difficult time or maybe work long hours under stress? I'm not understanding the unconventional part. Well, let's take that out then. How do you improve intimacy with a partner? How do you, how do you engage in or encourage intimacy when your partner maybe isn't isn't vibing with it right now. Uh, Would you? Vibing with it. I mean, you know, again, we have to define intimacy. Is that intercourse? Is it sex? Is it just being connected? Is it? You know, we. I don't know. Um, but you could simply um, maybe one exercise might be to just be either laying in bed together. Um, looking directly at one another in one another's eyes, uh, not talking, just staring, being with one another that way. That can create a lot of intimacy. Um, You can do that sitting as well, facing one another and just looking at one another in close proximity um, helps bring the people into the moment and you kind of... um, you, you begin to actually see one another, like all the automation that we, you know, that I've talked about kind of falls by the wayside and you begin to actually see one another in present time. And, you know, that can just help perhaps remind the person that, oh, we actually do like to connect and this feels really good. And, oh, I miss you. And I see you. And, you know, sometimes that in and of itself could be either the the foreplay that could happen or uh, the thing that scratches the itch, you know, that, oh, we're connected and this feels really nice. And maybe right now we're not going to have intercourse, but we are at least connected and this feels good. Right. Cool. Okay. Uh what frequency should you have sex to maintain a healthy relationship slash intimate connection? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I feel like I know what gender a person. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you don't, I think, I think, okay. So um, I, I'm like, should I go into this? Uh, let me answer the question and then okay. we could go into something. Um, so, 
it really is dependent upon what the couple wants. You know, I mean, if one person is like, I want sex three times a day and the other person is like, well, I want sex three times a year. Um, well, what are we going to do here? And, and what is sex again? And how do we, how do we find a common ground where we're both uh, okay with, with how we're doing this thing? Maybe, maybe the person who wants it more often, um, maybe their partner is like, I'm okay with, you know, giving you oral or digital, um, but I don't, or maybe, you know, hey, why don't you masturbate while I'm laying next to you or, you know, something, there's, there's all sorts of ways to work with it, um, but there's no cookie cutter answer to that. Yeah. yeah, I figured there wasn't. But I think speaking to what I what I think I got from your comment was I think uh, would you say that that was uh, a male asking that question? Um I'm not sure to be honest with you, but well, that was What did that, you think? That was me trying to be funny. But yeah, yeah probably. I mean, I think typically, you know, it, it's a little more simple for men, I think. So Interestingly enough, uh, back before uh, women entered the workplace, mm -hmm. uh, women were uh, basically more like hypersexual. Hornier, you can say. They, hornier. yeah, they. I mean, they were wanting sex all the time, and they wound up going to doctors to figure out like what they could do. And that's uh, <laughs> the doctors wound up giving them these devices to help them. And these devices were, were thought of as the first, basically the first vibrators. Yes. And right. like, how far back are we talking? Like, are we talking like the forties, the fifties? Like just before they were, you know, working and yeah. Like they, and, um, probably, you know, turn of the century sort of okay. things. And, um, and, you know, men couldn't, couldn't keep up really. And so they needed to have some other outlet. And then once women started entering the workforce, uh, you know, they began to get overwhelmed, uh, lack of time lack of energy, taking care, you know, it was like the whole shebang, they were doing the whole shebang. And that's when libido dropped and that men became, you know, had a higher like hmm. libido. And so it's just interesting. It's, you know, phenomenological. Um, and, and it's, it's fascinating to me of like, oh, you know, the less stress, you know, that at least in that, that kind of study, the less stress that women were under, uh, the more they wanted sex, wow. the, you know? So, um, it's, it's simply a construct now of our society that, you know, we have this idea in a heterosexual couple that men want sex more than women. Yeah. Um, that is just a construct now of the society we live in. Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm not, not, saying at all that that's always the case either. Right. Yeah. It's not always, but, but it is, it is the, the paradigm with which we are currently living under That's fair. versus, you know, prior generations lived under a different paradigm. Mm -hmm.
I okay. think it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you believe in scheduled sex in a relationship or marriage for those that may be occupied throughout the day? Yeah, I mean, this is a controversial topic. Um, some are advocate, some people are advocates of it, and some people are not. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think having a designated time, you know, it, it depends if it's not going to happen otherwise, and it's important to the two of you, then having, you know, hey, every Saturday is our night. And it's not like we have to have intercourse, then, or we have to orgasm then, but that is our time to connect and that is our time to be together. And that is our time to, um, you know, make love mm -hmm. um, and, you know, create pleasure for one another. And I think that that is, it's great. It's intentional. It's, um, it's prioritizing one another in an otherwise really busy life that we have. Yeah. Okay. Um, last one that I have that I collected, um, is it important to pour into your partner's desires? Pour into them. Yeah. Again, I just don't exactly know what that means. I'm guessing it's to sort of cultivate and nurture your partner's desires. And again, this is not my question. So yeah, yes and no, like, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about before is, you know, yes, if you're open to it and, um, but no, if it's really something you're adverse to, um, that's, that's going to create more problems. So it, you know, and again, what we talked about of needs versus wants, mm -hmm. um, that sometimes we just have to let go certain things that we might want or desire, and for the sake of, hey, you know, I want to be with this person um, and I won't get this, but I get all of this. Right. Okay. Cool. Anybody else in the chat have anything uh, question-wise? I think I covered most of them. You guys just like to talk back and forth. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to talk about regarding sex and it's just easier when you have, you know, a couple that's presenting the issue versus talking about it generally because it just goes into. Yeah. Corey says, I think it means it's important to tailor your tailor to your partner's wants. Yes. And we'll ignore that second part about the vacuum cleaner. That's an inside joke. Okay. <laughs> These guys. <laughs> so fun. Um, I well, was. I, it's, no, I was cleaning my gym the other, a few weeks ago, and I fell onto the handle of my vacuum cleaner like, on my bottom. Yeah. So that's mm. where, that's where all the vacuum cleaner jokes come from. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was working with um, a couple and they were talking about, you know, their animals and how their animals really impede Oh, there. God, I thought we were going to go somewhere else, Julie. I got really hurt. No, 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 no. I mean, well, that's, I mean, again, being a therapist, like you have Ooh. to be okay with whatever comes your way too. And, and you have to understand, like, you have to know what your limits are in terms of, do you have judgments or places that you can't go to, right. um, which case you're going to have to refer out. But um, All right. Sorry. our job as therapists need to be comfortable with almost everything. We're talking um, about 
dogs and cats on the bed being yes. a problem, being yes. getting in the way. Okay. Right. Sorry. And it and you know, it was something that they really hadn't talked about before. Hmm. And, you know, it was it was just interesting to like be like, oh, you know, here's, you know, we talked about thirds um and how this animal, these animals were coming between them um and their intimacy and their ability to connect. And uh who knew? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I guess kids, the same thing, right? I mean, when kids, you have children, yeah. you know, they can be a huge, huge cock blockers, right? <laughs> the kids. Yep. Yeah. Kids. Okay. Kids are great. And they also they're hard are challenging to relationships. Yes, they are. Even when they're older. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's another topic to talk about is, I've, I've actually had this conversation with a couple of people recently of just like, nobody really talks about, everybody talks about like, oh, you know, kids are great, or are you going to have kids or, you know, and nobody is talking about how kids affect your relationship and how oh, challenging them up it is. Big time. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I know it's, we don't like to say things like, you know, people got divorced and, oh, it wasn't your fault. And I mean, we're not blaming things, but kids can put a huge wrench into relationships. I think it, it you know, it's one of those things where it highlights uh, things that you could otherwise sweep under the rug. Yeah. My little one has zero <laughs> ideas about boundaries. She'll open any door at any time. Yes. And then yep. nobody talks about how expensive they are or how they will affect your life. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think people say how expensive they are, but they don't really break it down. No, don't do the math. You'd never have kids. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, but you figure it out, you know. Yeah. Um, For sure. There's people that have a lot less resources that do okay with lots true. of kids. True. That's true. Um, but yes, I don't think people are talking about the effects that kids can have on a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was fun. That wasn't so bad. Oh, yeah. Or embarrassing or <laughs> I didn't blush. So that was good. I mean, I think I just want to say like, I think a lot of times we're, we're referencing, uh, you know, where it just seems to go towards more heterosexual couples, but uh, I just want to put it out there of like, Hey, this, this is all applicable to all, all genders, all iterations of relationships, whether same sex or transgendered or poly, or, you know, there's lots of different, um, iterations. I just want to say like, Hey, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to marginalize any any yeah. people. Yeah, and I don't and I don't think any of our comments really did either. So I just want to yeah, yeah, just wanted to put that out there. So I do want to um, say that there is a new book out, and it's by my mentor Stan Tatkin. Okay. In each other's care. If you're not, if you're just listening, um, and. I'm, I just, it just came out. I just got it yesterday. So, um, I would just, I think it's going to be great. I've read some of it and seems pretty, pretty good. So if people are interested. Awesome. Uh, and we, uh, I can do show notes too afterwards and we can put a link or something like that into the, into the 
description. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let me just check this one last comment before we leave. Children are sometimes take. Okay. Yes, this is true. Um, so next week, same time. Same time. Okay. New topic. We'll figure it out. Yep. Julie, thanks so much. Have a great week. You too. Thanks everyone in the chat. We'll see you next time. Ciao.